Well, hello, everyone. Good morning. Um, good morning. Uh, thank you, Rick, for the introduction. Uh, like you said, I've uh, come to you with a message from a, my unique perspective, which is a scientist, an engineer. That's what I do. Um, about me, so Brian Fredrickson, um, American guy. Um, Chicago's my hometown. And just, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. That's a good one. Um, moved to Beijing in 2013. Right before living in Beijing, we came from Cincinnati. My family is Melissa and my three children, Darby, Soren, and Joel. Um, Darby is helping me with slides today. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and I, uh, like, I heard the shout-out from Deborah. My hometown is Chicago. And uh, one of my, amongst my hobbies, I'm a sports fan, and the Chicago Cubs are one of my favorite teams. Yeah, so you might have seen me last October. I wore my baseball uniform to uh, service throughout the playoffs and World Series. So that was me. I was the guy with the hat and the jersey on. And I might be doing that again. Uh, it's baseball season now, so you never know when that'll come out. Hopefully we get a repeat. And you can see me in my Chicago Cubs uniform. I also wore that to work several times during the World Series. Um, so, uh, what I'll talk about today is trusting God and do not worry and where we secure ourselves. And I think this is related to abiding in Christ. We've been talking about that in this church for um, several months, for a long time, because it's such an important part of who we are and what God is calling us to do. And what I'll talk about today is... Uh, a characteristic of abiding in Christ, which is not to worry. Not to worry means not to worry about possessions, not to worry about making plans, not to worry about um, the plans we make, because that's not where we're supposed to secure ourselves. We're not supposed to secure ourselves in possessions or in the plans we make. We don't want to secure ourselves in the plans. We don't want to secure ourselves in ourselves that we will be able to take care of ourselves. That's not, where, that's not where we put our security. We put our security in knowing that God knows us, and that's enough. When we have that security, we have enough. So today I'll share what uh, Jesus has to say about this so we can learn something from that. Uh, Jesus has... Uh, some stories, and that's what I'll share with you. But before I do, I'll, I'll pray. God, I pray that you use me today to bring your word to um, this church, that you use me to reveal your life-giving truths. In Jesus' name, amen. So, trust God. What does it take for you and me to trust God, to secure ourselves in knowing that God knows us? So Jesus had a lot to say about this. He gives us good examples, good illustrations of what that looks like and of what that doesn't look like as he spoke to, as he spoke to the crowds, as he spoke to his disciples. This is what he, he would always bring these teachings in to show people what this could look like in the setting. So I'll share some of that with you today, and I'll also share a story from the Old Testament about what it takes to trust God. So let's start in Luke chapter 12. And I'll, if the word's here, I'll read 
It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. So with that passage, I, it starts with Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore. And somebody told me one time that I remember this always. It's a good flag. Whenever Jesus says, therefore, you need to pause and say, what is that therefore? It's a good play on words. Um, and so let's figure out, what is this therefore? Why is Jesus telling his disciples about what they should eat or what, what they should wear? So if we go backwards... So that's what you do when you say, what is it there for? You look at the bigger context, and then let's see what Jesus was talking about when he said therefore, because the therefore follows something. So if we go back one passage, we'll see what Jesus is talking about. And this is the parable of the rich fool, which is the passage right before Jesus said, so therefore. And so the parable of the rich fool is Jesus is talking to a crowd. So Jesus is bringing his word to a big crowd. So let's imagine a big crowd is going to have lots of different types of people in this big crowd. And we'll read. So someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Then he went on and told him a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all of my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns into bigger barns. Then, there I will store all my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So what is happening in this verse? Well, first we see that somebody in the crowd just asked Jesus a question when Jesus was preaching. And you can tell by Jesus' answer to him, this comment was not, was not asked, this question was not asked from a particular place of trusting God. I think this was the person who just asked him, hey, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It was kind of an abrupt question, so I think Jesus answered it appropriately. He answered it with an abrupt answer that said, who am I to arbitrate between you two? But Jesus always uses the opportunity to teach about the kingdom of God, and he did that here. So, he told the parable. And something in the parable that I want to focus on now is verse 17. Because I think verse 17 is what leads into the teaching, but also links the passages together. The man said, I have no place to store my crops. That seems like worry to me. That's concern. He was thinking about what am I going to do about this problem that I have? So the problem isn't necessarily that the man had an abundant harvest. That is indifferent to God. God does not care about money or what you have or what you don't have. 
So the fact that he had an abundant harvest is no problem at all. The problem starts when he said, I have no place to store my crops. That's the worry and concern. And then it goes on. What does he do about that? What's his action after he has that concern? What does he do in verses 18 to 20? Well, we know the end result of those actions because God says, you fool. And if I remember the way the scripture was written, it had an exclamation point there. So that is not a good thing. What he did was he took matters into his own hands. He came up with a practical solution to his problem. He tore down his barns and built bigger barns, which as you think about it, that's quite sensational. That's quite extravagant. To, have an, to think if you have abundance, what should I do with this abundance? To, to come up with a plan as dramatic as tearing down your small barns and building bigger barns, that's it's a, it's one way to handle the problem, but is it the right way? And then we find out it's not the right way because God says, you fool. So taking matters into your own hands and thinking that you have solved your problems is not the way to go. So what is the right way to go? So I think this is where we see what Jesus said in the parable. That's why Jesus gave that illustration. And now he moves on to another illustration and he talks about no, we're not supposed to worry. We're supposed to trust God. And that's what we see in the next passage when we start with Luke 22, in chapter 12, verse 22. So then Jesus said to his disciples, and I imagine Jesus is addressing a big crowd, and his disciples are probably sitting close to him. That would make sense. And so I imagine here Jesus looking at his disciples and saying, you just heard what I said. Now, therefore... He said to his disciples, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body is more than the clothes you wear. So consider the ravens. He brings in a new illustration. So now he's making an illustration to the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. This is a direct link to what he just said. They don't have a barn or a storeroom, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? So who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about all the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon himself did not have splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart upon what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So that's what Jesus has to say about worrying. It's pretty clear. He said, God knows the details of your life. He knows the birds and the lilies. He knows. And so we have an invitation there not to worry. So there's a contrast between verse 17 in the parable of the rich fool and what we read in this passage about what we should be doing. And so let's look at verse 31, where it says, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. The disciples needed to hear this 
The disciples needed to hear this because they needed to know God knew the details of their lives. And that because God knows those details, they should be seeking the kingdom. That's what they were called to do. Then he goes on to say, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this is, the lesson is complete. So God has God's plan. Jesus tells the disciples what God's plan is in this lesson. So, what could we learn from this? We could trust that God knows what we need. That's part of the parable. That's, what, that's why Jesus is telling the story of the birds and the lilies. So God knows what we need, and he is pleased to give us this kingdom. Like, this is part of his plan. So he doesn't want us to worry. He wants us to seek the kingdom. When we seek the kingdom... This is what he wants. He's pleased to give us this kingdom. I think this is very important in verse 32. This is what he wants to do. He's happy to give us this kingdom. And I think oftentimes we don't see this for ourselves. We don't see that we shouldn't be securing ourselves and our possessions because God gives us what we need. Maybe we already have what we need and we just don't see it yet. Or what we need is just, it's, it's coming, but it's not there yet. That's what, that's what I think we're supposed to take away from this passage. We need to secure ourselves in knowing this. We need to secure ourselves in knowing that God knows what we need, that he will give it to us, and I think we can reflect that, if we, that we should look at it because maybe we already have what we need. So what should we do about this? What's our call here? The call is clearly to seek the kingdom. And it's to seek the kingdom because in my, in my scientific way of thinking about this, it seems very logical. If we're called to seek the kingdom, then God wants us all of our hearts and all of our minds seeking the kingdom. So in that sense, it makes like God wants to clear away all the other stuff that we need. So this is, a very, this is a very good plan. God is saying, don't worry about the things that you're going to get every day. You don't have to worry about that. Seek the kingdom. That's perfect. Clears the mind. So now I'm ready and I've got an open mind to seek the kingdom. And so contrast that to verse 19 in the parable of the rich fool. What did, what did the rich fool do? The rich fool made his own plans up. He was tearing down barns and building bigger barns. He... He had, a, he had a plan, and then he said, you remember in there in verse, in verse 19, he said, ah, and then I will have grain stored up for many years. Whew, I did it. And I will eat, drink, and be merry. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to trust God. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to worry about the details. We're supposed to worry about seeking the kingdom, but seeking the kingdom is an action word. That's not, so it's not, do not worry and God's going to take care of everything. Just relax. Just eat, drink, and be merry. You got plans for many years. That's not it at all. God is saying there's action now. So now that you don't have to worry about those things, 
Worry about seeking the kingdom, and I will take care of you. I'm pleased to give you my kingdom. When that's where your focus is, I'm pleased to give that to you. And so this is what we're supposed to do. This is the action that we're supposed to do when we trust God. So now I'm going to also take a look at another passage. So I'm going to move from Luke in the New Testament to um, an Old Testament story that's found in 2 Kings. Um, this is Elisha is the prophet, and it's about trusting God. Um, Elisha is a prophet of God who lived uh, 850, 800 B.C. And so before Jesus, the prophets are how God brought his word to the people. So this is how the people learned about God or heard about God and heard God's voice in the Old Testament. And so the, the story is um, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets, cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few, then go outside then go inside, shut the door behind you, pour the oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. So she left him and shut the door and did as he said. Um, and she brought the jars to her sons, and she kept pouring oil into them. And when all of these jars are filled, she said, bring me another one to her son. And her son replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons live on what is left. So what happened in this story, and why do I bring this story as an illustration? Well, the most important part of the story is that the widow trusted. She trusted God. She did what Elisha said. Elisha's a prophet of God, and you remember her husband was in the company of the prophets, so this woman um, also trusted God. So that's what she was, a, she was a believer. She followed the Lord. And she did exactly what Elisha said. She trusted. Um, and God knew what the widow needs. She only had a little bit of oil. She trusted God and did exactly what Elijah said. God knew what the widow needs. So God provided for her in this case. And I think that's a really good lesson that we can learn from the widow. She trusted God. She risked a little oil that she had. And God provided. God knew what she needed. There's also another part in this story that I find interesting and I'll share that with you. And it's the verse 2 is one of my favorite verses. Kings chapter 4, verse 2. Because it's the widow's reply. And I think I, I can relate to this one. And I think it's, it has a humanistic sense to it that we can also take away. She said, I have nothing at all except a little oil. And I think the way she... It, it, again, it's, the, it's a possible way. And this is how I read God's verse. It's a possible way that she answered it. I think she answered it, I have nothing at all except a little oil. And it was a bit of a frustration, I think. And I'll contrast that. I don't think she said, I have nothing at all, but I've got some oil. I don't think she did that. I think it was, I have nothing at all. She was reaching out. That's why she cried out to Elijah. And she said, I have nothing at all except a little of oil. And I think what God teaches in that is, like, God knows the details. God knew exactly she had a little oil. Of course, God knows everything. God knows exactly what she had in her house. She didn't necessarily see it, but what she did have was the trust and the faith to ask Elijah to help. So that's what she did that was very good. 
She had a little bit of oil, and that's exactly, that's all God needed to help her. So I think a little bit of anything is all that God needs to help any of us. Because God knows the details. God knows what we have in our lives. Just like he knows the birds, and just like he knows the lilies, he knows the widow had a little bit of oil, and he knows that I've got a little bit of something, and you've got a little bit of something, and he knows the details. And that's what he wants to use in our life, so that's what we have to trust, not worry about that, and focus on the kingdom. So what could we, how could we apply this to our life today? And I think what I do with this is we find out what's, go- what's God calling you not to worry about? What's God calling me not to worry about? Because when we're not worrying, then we could seek the kingdom. And that's what he was teaching the disciples in the first parable. For the disciples, what, it was important for them not to worry because you have to, when we think of what Jesus was telling them, his action was seek the kingdom, and then the way that manifested itself, what he went and told on. After he said seek the kingdom, he completed, he completed that um, story to the disciples. He completed that by saying sell your possessions, give to the poor, don't store up your treasures um, in possessions, but store them up in heaven. So put, store your treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, that's where your heart would be. That's exactly what the disciples needed to hear because that was the purpose of them being disciples. That's what Jesus, Jesus knew that this is, what, this is what the disciples were meant to do. So in this sense, they didn't have need for their possessions. So selling your possessions and following Jesus and giving to the poor and putting their treasures in heaven is exactly what they needed to do. For me and for you, it might not be, it might not be that, and it likely isn't that. God has created us all. We're very different. Um, we're not all the 12 uh, disciples or the, the group of disciples that was following Jesus in the early times who had a very important job to do, was spread the gospel and, and, and increase God's church and multiplies God's church. But the, but the story is still relevant to us today. And so what's he calling me, what's he calling you not to worry about? In my own life, moving to Beijing was cause to worry for me. I was tempted to worry um, many years ago when we were considering moving to Beijing. We didn't have a church. I didn't know Safe to say, I knew none of you three and a half years ago. That's almost, I can almost say that with certainty. There's none of you I knew three and a half years ago. I didn't know this church three and a half years ago. We homeschool. We had no idea if it was possible or how we would homeschool in Beijing. Um, my daughters are dancers. We had no idea if there was a dance school in Beijing. All of these, and there were many others. Those are just some, some examples that my family and I all relate to. But these were causes to worry. And so, how has this turned out in our life? It's God provided. And it's not that God doesn't promise solutions. I think that's a, that's, as I reflect on this, I realize God doesn't promise solutions. He doesn't, 
hear my list of prayers and then take them one by one and check them off and say, okay, that you prayed it, so that's what you're going to get. If that's, not what I, that's not what I've come to know about God's word as I study it and read it. So God doesn't promise specific solutions. What he does promise is to love us. That's true. That God promises that because we are, he wants a relationship with us. That's why he sent Jesus. So he does promise to love us and take care of us, just like he takes care of, um, the, in, the, in the stories, the birds and the lilies and the widow. So he does promise to take care of us, and he invites us to not worry. So the do not worry part is an invitation because it sets us up for what we're supposed to do, which is seek his kingdom. When we're seeking his kingdom, he will take care of us. And so here we are after, you know, how this has turned out for us. Um, It's more than we could have expected by just saying yes and trusting that God will take care of us. We had, and this is what I'm very, um, what what I learn and how I come to know, come to know God more is that it works out and you get more than what you expected for because looking back, those worries are not really, are not really worries. And they shouldn't be. They're the small things. They're the details that God takes care of. So when we're seeking his kingdom, we are open for much more than what we can conceive in our own minds. So also I want to share that as I've learned how to seek his kingdom, one of the, one of the prayers that I found um, that could help me to glorify God, and I find it helpful for myself when I humble myself before God and just ask him to work through me and get into the mindset that God is going to use me for his glory today. That's what, that's a, that's a very, it's very clear that that's what God tells us um, through Jesus. When Jesus is speaking God's word, this is what, this is what he's telling us. And a prayer that was shared with me is um, this one. I'll I'll share it with you. It's, uh, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Use me in new ways today. Change me in any way that you want. It's a simple prayer, but I find it very effective, and it's what God has when we're seeking him. It's just trust God. God, it's yours. Use me today any way that you want. And change me, if that is your will, then I trust you will provide that for me and change me. And the change me piece is letting go of the security of the possessions. Because it's saying change me. If there's anything in my current possessions or plans, if that is where I'm securing myself, then stop it. And change it. Change me. And that seeking and that openness has really... um, has really helped me to live this, um, what does it mean to seek his kingdom? So, next slide. So in summary, we have an invitation not to worry. We have an invitation to go all in and trust God. That's what the widow did. That's what the disciples did in their lives. When they followed God, that's the, that's the, the piece of that that we have to remember is they went all in and they trusted God. Um, in the prayer that I mentioned, that's my way of going all in, is being willing to be changed. That's, a, that's, that's what it means to me. That's going all in to seek God's, 
kingdom. Know that God knows the details of our lives. That's what we learn from the, the birds and the lilies and the oil, the little bit of oil that the, that the widow had. So I think we all have a little bit of oil. What is that? What is that little bit that God can use, that God can use through you to bring his kingdom to earth? Seek his kingdom. So seek the kingdom, trust God, don't worry. And we have the invitation from God not to worry. He will, he will be pleased. Remember verse 32. He is pleased to bring his, to give us the kingdom. When we seek his kingdom, he's pleased to give us that, which is an incredible, an incredible gift that we have to bring his kingdom on earth. So let's pray. God, you know the details of our lives, just like you know the birds and the lilies. And we have this invitation not to worry and let you take care of us. We celebrate Easter next Sunday. And remember that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross and overcame death so that we can have a relationship with you. God, I pray this message today will help us draw closer to you and prepare us as we receive this gift of salvation and we can trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.